Hey everybody, it's Mike. Welcome or welcome back to the Revision Church Podcast. While you're here, make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and download the Revision app, which is actually the best way to get access to new content and share it with friends. You can get the app by texting Revision App to 77977. Thanks for listening today. My hope is that this message will be helpful for you and would inspire you to take the next step on your faith journey. Well, good morning, Revision. Morning, morning, morning. Well, my name is Jody Wiseman. I have come to Revision for a couple years. And every now and again, uh, I fill in for Mike. So guess what I'm doing? Fill in for Mike, in case you can tell. A lot more hair than the last guy, you know, he's a little bald. Anyway, so we've been doing a series on Mondays Matter. And personally, I love Mondays. It's because I don't work on Mondays. I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, push it in or anything, but I, I don't work Mondays. So of course I love Mondays. So Tuesdays are rough for me. No, I'm just kidding. Anyway, so we are, we're rounding up the series about how Mondays matter. So today we're going to dig into the uh, toxic effects of busyness. Because here, and I think it's, it's a lot so more in America. I just had a client come back from Greece. She was in Greece for like six weeks and they have four day work weeks. Dinner's like an hour and a half every night. That's not the hustle, the bustle. And I'm like, why is it? Is it just America? Is it because we're so, we want more, we do more. We, because here, I think we wear busyness like a badge of honor. We really do. Just, just last week, I had just an acquaintance of mine. He says, how's it going, Jody? And I'm like, Phew, I worked six days last week. And he goes, yeah, well, I work seven. And I was like, oh, well, I have two jobs. He's like, I didn't take a lunch. And I'm like, what am I doing? Why, why am I competing with a stranger about who's busier? Like, what kind of badge? Like, oh, Jody, here's your badge. <laughs> you have two jobs. Like, he worked, you worked, he didn't take a lunch? So why do we do that? Why do we do that? Because so easy it can become um, our identity. And then we try and one-up people. But we must seek service, not status. And I know, because I fall into it, that sometimes if we prove our busyness, um, it means that we're worthy. Then again, it can become our identity too. So many things can fill your schedule, but there's only one thing that can fill your soul. And we've been saved so that we can serve. So today the reading we're going to is Mary and Martha. And I just love this. It's only a couple verses, but what happens in these couple verses is so important. So if you have a Bible or a Bible app, you can open it. Otherwise, it's also going to be up here on the screen. So Luke 10, 38 through 42. It says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened their house to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparation that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord replied, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed. Only, indeed, only one. And Mary has chosen what is better and it will never be taken from her. And how I can relate to this story so much. Every time I preach, Michael give me a verse. And I remember I opened this up and I was like, oh, I love this verse. Because I've really been working on being Mary in a Martha world. And I feel like I'm more like Mary than Martha. And then as I wrote this sermon, the Lord was like, mm. I was like, yeah, I'm really a Martha right now. <laughs> so thank you. Actually, this sermon is just for me. So thank you for just you know, playing along and listening. So we're going to talk about what it's like to be Mary in a Martha world. 
Martha was very busy doing busy work and she got distracted by the things of the world. But God calls us to be disciples. And in this reading, he calls us to sit and to serve like Mary. But Martha went to five Ds. We're gonna go over the five Ds that she went to in these couple verses. She had uh, disbelief, defensiveness, decisiveness, demands, and desperation. So let's kick it off right here in verse 40 in disbelief. Martha literally looked at Jesus and said, do you not care? Like in the presence of Jesus, because we're busy, we're doing stuff, do you not care? She was like, do do you not see how busy I am? Like I'm doing this for you. Look at me, look at my busy work. Hello, do you not see me? Hello. Martha was so busy that she missed the opportunity as her sister sat in the presence of Jesus and sat at his feet. She was busy and missed the blessing. She was performing for Jesus and she wanted to be noticed. But I'm here to tell you that God's love has nothing to do with our performance. Now, when we're obedient, does he find joy in that? Absolutely. But his love was a free gift through Jesus that we couldn't earn on our own. And I know in our humanness, sometimes to wrap our head and heart around that kind of love is hard. Because so many times, not even knowing it, we fall into the, and again, maybe not you, just me, the human merit system. Because like, okay, well, I'll scratch your back, you scratch mine. Like, I helped you move, you should help me move. Like, I gave you money, you owe me. I did that for you. So that when there's somebody on the street that needs money, be like, why would I give that to him? Because so many times we fall into the checklist in the human merit system. And what I think is so important, I have found for myself recently, to stay away from performance-based love and human validation. The next thing that, Mar- uh, that Martha went to was defensiveness. In verse 40, Lord, oh, Martha got some attitude here. Lord, don't you care? My sister left me to do all the work by myself. Now, I'm gonna say, I've said this before in my own home. Um, where are y'all at? I'm doing it. Nobody did the dishes. Nobody did the trash. Come on. But I'm gonna tell you when others aren't pulling their weight, what do we wanna do? We wanna tell on them. <laughs> we wanna tell on them. We want people to see it our way or to see our side. We wanna be noticed. We wanna pat on the back. And how can we relate? Because so many times we take an attitude of defensiveness instead of humility. And then I love, Martha tried convincing Jesus what she was doing was more important. (laughs) Like literally sitting in the presence of Jesus, trying to convince him that what she was doing was more important. The third thing she went to was decisiveness, which literally means the ability to make a decision quickly and effectively. Well, she made a decision quickly. I don't know how effective it was. But Martha then depersonalizes Mary by saying, my sister, as though she wasn't even there. Let me ask you, have you ever made somebody look smaller so that you could look bigger? I know I have. I realized I'm way more like Martha than Mary, but I do, I wanna be that Mary in a Martha world. And sometimes we think the more we do, the more we're loved, the more value we hold. But guess what the truth is? We're all important in the eyes of the Lord. The fourth thing that Martha went to was demands. She looks at Jesus and says, tell her to help me. Again, the attitude, <laughs> but again, I'm just, there's times I approach Jesus with attitude too, and I need to, sometimes I need to check myself. But bossing him around, I've been so guilty of that. In my time of prayer, sitting with my savior, I've yelled at him. I've asked, why me? Why is this so hard? I've even begged to ask the question, are you really here with me and are you real? 
because the pain I feel is so hard. And then again, I like to remind Jesus that I'm a Christian so that my life should be a little bit easier. Again, just like Martha, I'm telling Jesus what he needs to do for me. Now, I have received answers to prayers, but again, it's never been in my timing. It's always been in his. I had to step away from my self-focus and open my eyes to the blessing that was right in front of me if I would simply sit and serve at the feet of Jesus. So the fifth thing Martha did is she went to desperation. Martha attempted to control the situation. Now, I know nobody in here is a control freak. Again, this is a sermon for me. But how I can relate, when things don't go my way, what do I do? Revert to control. Like, I'm gonna do this, I got this, it's gonna go this way, you know, are you listening? Because we wanna feel peace in control in a situation that we probably weren't meant to control in the first place. Mm -hmm. And then I call it bartering with God out of desperation. There's been so many times I'm like, well, God, if you just did this, if you just gave me more money, then I could help the poor more. Or if you just did this, my life would be easier. If you just did this, again, Martha, 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 Jody. Like I'm sitting here telling Jesus, well, if you give me this, then I'm gonna do that for you. And then if you show up here and then I'm, and Jesus is probably like, oh, like so much like Martha. And this world can make us feel out of control. But then again, guess what? It's not our forever home. So it's gonna feel like that sometimes. But Jesus being Jesus invites Martha to consider a different way of serving with no distraction and no self-righteousness. However, in Martha's mind, she didn't think she had another choice. But in the end of verse 42, Jesus says, what Mary has chosen is better and it will not be taken from her. Because again, Martha, preparing, cooking, cleaning, stuff, things, all that gone, can be gone in the blink of an eye. But what Mary had, had kingdom value because she sat at the feet of Jesus. She had a relationship with him. She was intimate with him. That will never be taken from her. That's investment in eternity. And what a great reminder for us to simply sit at the feet of Jesus. When we become more and more saturated with him, and less saturated with our own human ways of the world, becomes easier. Now to be Martha means to get busy, distracted, self-focus and self-righteousness. Being Mary means to be served with humility and obedience. Mary served with such an attentiveness to Jesus that it brought him glory. Service like that will bear eternal kingdom fruit that you'll get to see in heaven someday. So sitting at the feet of Jesus shows that our service ought to be grounded in that living, personal relationship with Christ. So how do we sit and serve? We do it with two words, abide and posture. So abide literally means just to stay or remain. If we believe him, we receive from him, we trust him. These things allow us to remain in him. And it's truly all we need if we allow his words to fill our minds, direct our wills, and transform our affections. In John 15, 10 through 11, it says, if you keep my commands, you will remain in me. My love, just as I've kept my father's commands, and remain in his love. I've told you this, so that my joy may be in you, and your joy may be complete. Like, who doesn't want complete joy? I do, because this world is crazy and busy. And I can so get distracted by the toxic effects of business instead of getting my joy that's complete. So when we abide, it is a process of submitting to the pruning knife of God 
The process he will remove, chip away at anything that's disloyal and anything that's unimportant. So in order that we may remain in Christ all the more and serve him more wholeheartedly. So by abiding, it gives us direct access to God. I'm gonna give you an example. My favorite verse the last couple months is Psalm 34. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Well, I was like, okay, I'm delighting. I think God's delightful. I'm delighting, he's delightful. But I'm, I don't feel like I'm getting the desires of my heart met. So then I was like, okay, maybe I need to dig in a little bit more to this verse. So I looked up other words for delight. Indulge, immerse, and quench. So then I had to ask myself, am I quenching myself in the Lord? Am I indulging in him? Am I immersing? And he really convicted my heart that I wasn't. But I had to allow God access to my whole heart. And in doing so, he healed me. He changed my heart so that now my desires match his. Because trust me, I've been praying for more money, more clients, an easier life, comfort. But instead, he got a hold of my heart. And now I seek peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and self-control, which is now the desire of my heart. So when I sought him wholeheartedly, he answered my prayer and worked on my heart to become more like his. Apart from him, we can, nothing, we can do nothing of kingdom value. Psalm 27.5 says, I am asking God for one thing and for one thing only, to live with him in his house my whole life long, that I will contemplate his beauty and I will study at his feet. Have you ever taken the time to literally sit and contemplate the beauty of your creator or to be quiet long enough to literally study at his feet? And that's what this is about. It's about sitting and serving because we're busy and we let so many things, so many things can fill our schedule, but only one thing can fill our soul. When we do daily abiding, it becomes easier and easier. It comes away life, something you get to do, not something you have to do. So let me jump into posture. And I'm not talking about the posture where your mom tells you to sit up straight, don't slouch. No, no, no. Not physical posture, heart posture. Proverbs 4.23 says, it's not the posture of your body, but the posture of our heart that is important because everything flows from your heart. So abide and posture go together like nachos and cheese, peanut butter and jelly, like they just go together. So by sitting and serving as our priority, it allows our posture and abiding to become easier. We must continually plug into God all the time because he is the true source. Like the refrigerator doesn't work if you don't plug it in. The microwave doesn't work if you don't plug it in. The curling iron doesn't work if you don't plug it in. So why do you think we should be any different? Anything that needs to work and function properly needs to be plugged in continually. And that includes you. You need to be continually plugged in to Christ. You need to sit and you need to abide because he is the true source. I loved last week when Mike, we started, to, he talked about balance and rhythm and how, you know, we try and get this perfect balance in life. We're never, the side of heaven, we're not gonna have that perfect balance and we're gonna kill ourselves trying. But the, when he did the rhythm and the drums, it made me think about like, our life is a dance. Like sometimes you're foxtrotting, sometimes you're doing the boot scooting boogie, sometimes it's the blues, sometimes you're barely walking and you ain't got no rhythm. But it's finding that rhythm of life and that rhythm and that source is God. If you stay connected, if you continue to plug in, if you sit and you serve, that rhythm will be so much easier. We run ourselves ragged 
and on an empty tank all the time. But Jesus died to give you life abundantly, not to see how quick you could run yourself to the ground. So when we approach the throne in humility, we receive discernment, clarity, wisdom, strength, and courage. The world, what is the world offering us? Brokenness, bitterness, emptiness, fatigue, self-righteousness. Not one of those things hold kingdom value. So what does it look like to be a disciple and to serve? Romans 1, 7 says, through him we receive both the generous gift of his life and the urgent task of passing it on to others who will receive it by entering into obedient trust in God. So every single person in this room, God has a special call on your life. Now I know you may say, Jody, you, no, you don't know me. You don't know what I've done. You don't know my sin. You don't know my lack of talent. You don't know what goes through my mind. You don't know what comes out of my mouth. But what I am here to tell you is guess what? In the Bible, Jacob was a cheater. David had an affair. Noah got drunk. Jonah ran from God. Paul was a murderer. Miriam was a gossip. Thomas doubted. Sarah was impatient. Elijah got depressed. Moses stuttered. Abraham was old. And Lazarus was dead. God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the call. Let me say it again. God doesn't call the qualified because we're not qualified. But through him, he will qualify us when he calls us. So if God's calling you, are you gonna answer the phone? I, I did that first service too. Half of you guys don't know what that means. Like, so I'm old. We used to have a phone on the wall that we would pick up with a cord and then there was a, that's how you hung up a phone. Anyway, <laughs> I was in a hotel not long ago. And my son goes, what's this? And picks up the phone. He's like, what's that noise? I was like, that's a dial tone. He's like, what does that mean? I was like, wouldn't understand, just hang it up. Because cell phones don't have dial tones or busy signals or, anyway, growing up in the 80s. Anyway. So anyway, God's calling you. Are you gonna answer? I understand that we can be products of our past, but we need, but we need not be a prisoner to it. Because the world will label us and ooh, they label us quickly. Recently, I've been labeled as a liar, a sinner, even labeled as divorced. Didn't get a speaking engagement because when I was labeled as divorced, I was saw as less than in their eyes. But you want to know what I know? Mm, God's writing a better future. And we were made for more than just mundane Mondays. I understand life can feel like Groundhog's Day. That's like rinse, recycle, repeat, rinse, recycle, repeat. Like how do we break that cycle? We do it with abiding and with the right heart posture. In Galatians 6, 4 through 5, it says, make a careful exploration of who you are and the work that's been given to you and sink yourself into that. Don't compare yourself with others. Each of you must take responsibility for doing the creative best that you can do with your own life. I know in the audience, I have some people that say, I'm just a mom, I don't have a job. Oh, baby girl, you got a big job. Well, I just work in an office. Well, I'm just a garbage man. I just work at come and go don't care. Every job that you have, you do it to the best of your ability to bring God glory and honor because you have no idea all day long what you will do. And in that job, you could bring somebody else glory. So I'm going to tell you, two and a half years ago, I had the opportunity. I was offered a job as a hairstylist at what my granny Shani would call a facility, which means independent assisted living and memory care. They needed a hairstylist. So I was like, okay, this is, 
I volunteered at an old, old folks home for like 10 years. I was like, oh, easy peasy, one, two, three, easy. Hmm, not so easy peasy. So anyway, I, to give you a little background, memory care, uh, dementia issues, Alzheimer's, the unit is locked. I have 27 people that I take care of. So like I have some clients in the audience, when you need a haircut, you text me, you book your appointment, you pay for your appointment, you book your next one and you show up on time. Well, I have to do all that for those 27 people because they're in memory care for a reason. So one morning I have a small room and I have about three dryers. So for you people that don't know, a lot of the older generation likes the rollers that you sit under a dryer for like a half an hour. You take the rollers out, you like you tease it, you spray it, it's a helmet and they wash their hair once a week when I do it. So that's what I'm doing a lot of for these young ladies. So I'm in my room one day and I have lady number one under the dryer in her walker and I went to escort lady number two who was new to the facility. She's 96 years old, literally probably 4'2". Like she has shrunk to like a marshmallow. And so like I'm trying to get her into the chair and she sits and then I go to the hood should like, like come over her head, right? Well, I mean, she's this high and it's like a two foot... And I was like, and she looks at me, she goes, this is not how my beauty operator does it. And I was like, I, I know, honey, you've had the same beauty operator for 96 years, but this is, I'm, we'll make this work. So I need to sit on some. So I'm like, what am I going to do? So I go to turn around. I get caught up in the first lady's walker. I fall over. I get back up. I put the walker up. I can't find anything. So I just put the, the, the hood dryer down as high, put it on high, you know, girl, like just as high as it's going to go. Right. And so then I start on lady number three and I'm, you know, ratting that beehive, making it oh so high and pretty and all the hair spray and doing it and to the tune of I have a beautiful lady that lives across from the salon and every five minutes she walks a lap and gets lost she comes into the salon and I have to escort her back to her bedroom so on cue it's been five minutes so I'm I've got those two I've got this one and I'm rotting the hair and she walks in and she's where's my room I'm like okay just a second so I go out and take her to her room and so in the meantime I gave the woman her hearing aids and glasses she's screaming and yelling at me because guess what I gave lady number three lady number one's glasses and hearing aids so not only hair I have to keep their walkers their wheelchairs their canes their hearing aids and their glasses all in order when you have three or four at a time so it's a little tricky for me sometimes so anyway I finished my day out. I got everybody done. I think I did 12 that day. Packed the salon up into three bags that I then carry out. I'm waiting by the door because somebody has to unlock it. And just then somebody takes their walker and hits me. With, I'm like, okay, I turn around. I've been hit with a walker. And she is giving me a time. I can't believe you didn't do my hair today. I am so... And I said, sweetie, um, I did. Um, look in the mirror. We did it at 9 a.m. Um, I think you look beautiful. Oh, well, look at that. And then just walks away. It's like, don't worry about the walker dent in my, we're good. We're good. So I run upstairs. I unpack the entire salon. I now have 27 minutes for lunch. I go to lunch and I'm literally sitting there. And I think I started to weep a little bit because I was like, really, God, really done here for 30 years. I don't think it's my calling no more. I'm about done. I'm sweating. It was 83 degrees in that room because the air conditioning was broke. And I was like, this is not my call. It's not my call, Lord Jesus. I think I'm done. I think I'm done. So I go back up after lunch at 12.55. Of course, the next three people are standing there because they're, you know, because when you're in a home, the only thing you do is get your hair cut and check your mail. It's the highlight of your day. So they come in. I get lady number one going. I get lady number two going. Number three comes in and she's with her daughters. She's very upset. She has been in her own home for 65 years. She just got to the facility two days ago. Clearly she's upset. So I introduce myself. I tell her I'm the I'm the beauty operator here. So have a seat with your daughters. I'll be with you in a minute. So me being me, I'm a little, you know, outgoing and joking and just kind of making a, a fun time of things. And so I get my other two clients out. I get my new client. We talk a little bit about her hair. I do her hair and I'm trying to love on her and kind of joke with her. And, 
Anyway, she gets done. She gets up. She goes like, let me get my pocketbook and I'll write you a check. I'm like, okay, sounds good. So she gets her money out, pays me, and her and her family scoot out. And I can hear her walker stop. And her, and her daughter say to her, Mom, it's so nice here. I think you're going to be okay. I think you're going to like it. And Oh, your hair looks so pretty. And she goes, you know what? I think I'm going to be okay because that Jody, she's a real kick in the britches. <laughs> kick in the britches. But I'm going to tell you in that moment, kick in the britches was like an arrow to my heart. Because I got busy all morning. I got distracted. I was not in a good mood. But if I would not have approached her, with a smile on my face and tried to understand that she'd just been ripped up from her home of 60 some years in a facility that's not comfortable. But when she came in my chair, I made her laugh. I loved on her. And it reminded me, because really, to be honest, I thought this is my call. Like on stage, like I'm comfortable up here. Like my heart's not even beating fast and I ain't. Like this is more comfortable than my couch at home. Like I love crowds, I love a microphone. I thought this was my call. Until God was like, Jody, you're on stage every day. Whether you got one person in your chair, you got 300 in an audience. People are gonna watch you. And I'm so glad that even at lunch, when I yelled at God and told him I wasn't gonna do this anymore and this is not my thing, he's like, okay. And I could've got busy and messed the blessing. I'm gonna tell you, other people need our anointing no matter how we feel. Mm -hmm. We're all in different seasons. Some of us have young kids. Some of us are empty nesters. Some Some of us are in seasons of suffering or waiting or heartache or joy. I really thought that God would only use me when I was healed from my past hurts and disappointments. But what he showed me that day, that he will use me anytime I choose to humble myself before him. I had to allow myself to be used for the greater good for God. The past couple years of my life have, have been rough, but I want you to know I've, hold on, I've always held on to Luke 7.38. She was broken but she gave Jesus her best. Let me say that again. She was broken. She gave Jesus her best. No matter how broken I am, other people still need my anointing. And I'm here to tell you when we are afflicted, we're being made more effective. And I know we all got afflictions. We all have afflictions. But again, being afflicted means you're being made effective. So God has, picked, has handpicked you to display the good of him and his works here on earth. I stumbled onto Deuteronomy 7, 6 one night. It says, for you are people holy to the Lord. You are, your God has chosen you out of all the people on the face of the earth to be his treasured possession. And I, I fell in love with those words, treasured possession, because I didn't feel in my humanness like a treasured possession. And I just dug into that word because it made me feel loved by God. It made me feel like I was enough. Um, and I'm, I'm a, I have a confession, I'm a Bible nerd. So like when I find a word like that, like I dig in and I'm not talking like Google it and go to it. Like I'm a, I'm an old lady page flipper. Like I got to dig in on my own and find that word treasured possession. So again, in Malachi three seventeen, it says they will be his treasured possession. Again, in Deuteronomy 26, eight, you are his treasured possession. So I'm here to tell you this morning, guess what? You are his treasured possession. God not only loves you very much, but he's put his hand on you for something special. I want you to know how loved you are and how special you are in the eyes of the Lord because we're called to be beacons of light in a very dark world. But you, each and every one of you, 
are God's masterpieces created in Christ Jesus to do the handiwork. So do the good things that God has prepared for you to do. So declare this day that whatever comes at you is God's perfect plan to develop your character to match your calling on your life, even if it's an old lady beehive hairdo. We'll walk in his ways and we will give him glory and honor and praise that he so rightfully deserves. How we love others is proof that we love Jesus. So give grace freely as it's been given to you. So don't get distracted by the toxic effects of busyness. Because if you do, it will lead to selfishness and self-focus. But instead, abide and remain at the feet of Jesus. Continue to ask the Lord to help you to be a Mary in a Martha world. Approach the mighty throne in humility and obedience and be confident in who God made you to be. Don't let the world label you, but instead claim the victory that was won for you on the cross of Calvary. But if you do wear a label, the only label you must wear is that you are a redeemed love child of God. You are a chosen vessel, and God has something with your name on it. So never forget that he chose you out of all the people on the face of the earth to be his treasured possession. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Lord, we thank you so much. Help us to go out into this week to take the time to sit and to serve, to abide and remain, Lord, to approach you with the right posture, that you will help us to be Mary's in a crazy Martha world. We thank you for your precious word, Lord. Ignite our souls on fire and let us be the light in a dark world that you call us to be in your sweet and precious name. Amen.